0: Titus chapter one, verses five through nine, the apostle Paul wrote these words. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Well, church family, we are in week two of our series, Biblical Church Leadership. Last week, we laid the foundation for this series by talking about the important truth of how Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 highlights this truth. The apostle Paul wrote, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We learned that as the head of the church, Jesus is the ultimate authority over the church. Jesus is the one who builds the church. And Jesus is our good, great, and chief shepherd who laid his life down for the church, cares for the church, and prepares a place in heaven for the church. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 tells us to think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. As a church, our focus should be on Jesus. Jesus is our foundation, the cornerstone on which everything else is built. And As we keep our focus on Jesus, we learn to live like Jesus. We learn to share the good news of Jesus with others. And we grow as disciples who make more disciples. Now, if we take our focus off of Jesus, then we're like sheep who've gone astray. Jesus is the head of the church, and we should keep our focus on Jesus. Well, today, we're going to continue our series by talking about human leadership in the church. This week, we'll talk about elders. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about deacons, and then we'll wrap up our series by talking about church members, uh, the men, women, and children who love Jesus, who use their gifts to serve God in and through the local church. Now, I said last week that human leadership in the church is little more than qualified Christians who are following Jesus and encouraging others to do the same. But because of this, Church leaders must be faithful sheep who follow their shepherd, Jesus, before they're fit to be leaders under Jesus. I'd like to address three important questions in today's message. Question number one, what is an elder? This is an important question that we need to answer. Number two, what qualifies someone to serve as an elder? And then question number three, what does an elder do? What is the, the job description or the role of an elder? You know, my prayer has been that today's message would encourage our current elders, that it would help preserve unity in our church, and that it would help us grow as individuals as we seek to live our lives by the counsel of God's word. You know, I'm now 12 years into vocational ministry and eight years out of Bible college. And to be honest, I feel like I could write a book entitled, What They Didn't Tell Me in Bible College About Pastoral Ministry. It's kind of a long title, but this book would have some painful, heavy chapters addressing things like what to say to an individual who's dying in hospice care, or what it's really like visiting a church member in prison. Um, That didn't happen in this church, but it has happened. Or what about this one? Um, How to Help Lead Your Church Through a Pandemic. I know I'm not the only pastor, and I know our elders are not the only group of elders uh, wishing that we had a couple chapters addressing this topic. You know, pastoral ministry brings with it uh, some very difficult and lonely seasons, but ministry also has so many joyful surprises. In fact, I would say that the joys far outweigh the difficulties. None of my professors in Bible college told me that our family would grow to love the congregation that we're serving in the way that we have, having a front row seat to watch God's grace at work in the lives of people. No one ever told me that our family would become part of the church family, even outside my role as the pastor. And no one ever told me about the joy I would receive from working alongside elders in the church. Over the past two years, I've loved working alongside the elders in our church, praying together, caring for our church family together, and dreaming together. I enjoy working through challenges, making mistakes and learning from those mistakes, and growing together in faith and as friends. In fact, I can't imagine doing life and ministry with any other group of men in this season of my life. You know, here at OCC, we are an elder-led church, or an elder-protected church. Uh, we currently have five men who serve in the role of elder. So let's talk about what an elder is, uh, what qualifies a person to serve as an elder, and what an elder does, or the role of an elder. So if you're taking notes today, the, the first big question that we're going to address is this. What is an elder? You know, I love working alongside our elders for every reason that I just mentioned But I also love elders for another reason. Um, Elders are God's plan for shepherding his church. Elders are God's plan for shepherding his church. Um, God has always provided shepherds for his people. He gave Moses, Samuel, and the judges to Israel. Uh, He raised up kings that would act as shepherds in Israel, many of which uh, failed in one way or another. And God also followed through with his promise by sending Jesus, our good, great, and chief shepherd, But God didn't stop there. Um, Jesus gave apostles and then elders to tend his flock, really as under-shepherds, until he returns. And we'll see throughout today's message, a great answer to our question, what is an elder, is this. Elders are Jesus' assistants for shepherding his church. Elders are the leaders and shepherds of the church who are synonymously called pastors, overseers, and elders throughout the New Testament. And we use these words interchangeably because the New Testament uses them interchangeably. And the eldership is really one job with multiple titles. As an elder, a man is given the authority to help lead and govern a local congregation. As a pastor, he has the high honor of caring for the church, as well as preaching and teaching God's word. As an overseer, he has the responsibility of managing the church. Elders are Jesus's assistants for shepherding His church. So the second big question we're going to look at uh, what qualifies someone to serve as an elder? God's word defines the qualification of an elder in two primary places. You have uh, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and then you have Titus, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. These two passages and lists of qualifications are virtually identical. Um, So I began my message by reading from Titus, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And now I'd like to read from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, Into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So the list of qualifications found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 again are virtually identical. And before we take a closer look at this list of qualifications, um, there are three noteworthy things uh, that I believe we should take away from a list like this. Uh, Number one, Uh, The list of qualifications is really about men being faithful Christians first. Number two, the qualifications for an elder pastor overseer uh, are in large part tied not to his work in the church, but rather whether or not he's been a faithful man of God in his own home with his family and in his world with his neighbors and coworkers. You know, far too many pastors and, and elders and overseers um, are, are faithful in their roles in the church. They, they work really hard in those roles, but they do so at the expense of being faithful husbands, fathers, and neighbors. And then the third thing, uh, establishing whether a man meets these qualifications does require time. And that's because this list is about character, uh, not popularity or how long they've been a member of the church. Let's briefly look at six elder qualifications taken from these two passages. And as we talk through these qualifications, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, does this describe my life? Is this something I've thought about before? And is this how God is calling me to serve? Specifically, I'd like for the men in our church to ask themselves these questions. Um, So you know you're qualified to serve as an elder if, number one, you want to be an elder, you want to be an elder. Um, in one of the New Testament's longest teachings about elders, the Apostle Paul began by saying, Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer or elder desires a noble task. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. He said, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So we see words like aspiration, desire, eager. These are all words used to describe the man who wants to serve as an elder. You have to want to serve as an elder to do it effectively because faithful shepherding of the church demands a lot. It demands a lot of your time, your money, your talent. It demands a lot from your family. I've known men in our previous churches uh, who were solid elder material. A few of these men were asked by the elders to prayerfully consider serving as an elder on multiple occasions. But each time, uh, they said no. See, in every other way, they would have made great elders, but they didn't want it. They didn't have that yearning to shepherd the church as an elder. So you know you're qualified to serve as an elder if, number two, um, you model godly character. You model godly character. You might assume that the most important characteristic for an elder would be having the skills to maybe run an organization. And while management ability is definitely part of being an elder, the New Testament writers put far greater emphasis on character. So if elders are Jesus' assistants for shepherding his church, then elders must reflect Jesus' character. So in his book, Building a Healthy Church, author Jeremy Rhine said, Better a godly elder with mediocre leadership gifts than a charismatic leader with glaring moral flaws. Uh, This is a truth that we see in both of these passages that Paul wrote addressing the qualifications of elders. Uh, 1 Timothy 3 verses 2 and 3 says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. And then Titus 1, verses 7 and 8 says, Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So because character is at the top of the list in terms of what qualifies someone to serve as an elder, um, I'd like for us to look at a few of these qualities in more detail. Uh, The first one is this, that Paul says an elder must be above reproach. He actually began his character list with above reproach and blameless. Now, these descriptions uh, don't mean that an elder is flawless or sinless. We're all sinful, flawed people, um, elders included. Instead, it highlights the life of a man who leads by example, a man who lives the kind of life that exemplifies Christ. Um, Nobody would expect this kind of man of doing wrong. Men who are above reproach also safeguard the church's witness to the community because they lead by example. Paul also said that they must be self-controlled. According to this character list of qualifications, um, elders must be self-controlled, not overbearing, temperate, and disciplined. Um, Self-control is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit found in Galatians 5 and is an important mark of the Christian life. See, Paul is saying a spirit-filled man is a self-controlled man. This is a required characteristic for an elder in God's church. Paul says the elder must be gentle. There's a famous Swahili proverb that says that when the elephants fight, the grass is trampled. I would say likewise, when a church's shepherds, when a church's elders are eager to start conflicts or are aggressive, the sheep get hurt. And that's why Paul described the qualified elder as not violent, but gentle and not quarrelsome, not quick tempered and not violent. See, instead, elders are to be gentle giants. Now, when I say gentle, that doesn't mean weak. I think in our culture, we hear the word gentle and we think weak, but that's not what Paul is saying. It really means that they exercise their authority with the tenderness of a shepherd and the sensitivity of a loving father. It's really meekness. It's power under control. Paul also says the elder uh, must not be greedy. He said an elder must not be a lover of money or someone who serves for dishonest gain. Um, these words actually offer a clear rebuke uh, to paid pastors, paid elders, who use their ministries for personal gain, uh, gaining massive amounts of wealth and you know, striving to live large. Um, I don't think this shows on TV anymore, but I would say that uh, this is just my opinion, that you should never see uh, a pastor on MTV Cribs. All right, This, uh, this verse, these words, uh, offer a clear rebuke to that. But these words are not just for paid pastors. Um, lay elders, uh, elders who serve without pay, um, who live solely to make money, will find it difficult to invest their time and energy into caring for their congregation. You see, when money-loving men lead a church, um, giving towards the poor, um, towards church planting and missions inevitably goes down. So if you have a desire to serve as an elder, you need to be able to answer these questions first. Um, how do I relate to money? Uh, do I love it and live to accumulate it? Or do I live generously, giving to the needs of the local church and to others? Well, before we move on, I'd like for us to think about the life and ministry of Jesus. Remember, our focus has to be on Jesus. We always have to come back to Jesus. So when the religious leaders accused Jesus of being in league with the devil, the charges didn't stick because he was above reproach. When Peter cut off the soldier's ear, offering Jesus an opportunity to avoid being captured, he remained self-controlled, determined to fulfill his mission that was given to him by his father. When interacting with the spiritually lost, the hurting and the sick, Jesus was gentle. And when the devil offered him the kingdoms of the world, he was not greedy. See, in all of these moments and situations, Jesus was acting as God's perfect shepherd, as well as marking out a pattern for elders in the church today. So you know you're qualified to serve as an elder if, number three, you can teach the Bible. You can teach the Bible. Paul wrote that an elder must be able to teach. Now, being able to teach God's word to others is essential to the ministry of serving as an elder. Teaching God's word doesn't have to be in the form of a sermon on Sunday morning, although we do have a few elders who are great preachers. Being able to teach simply means willing to teach or is able to teach. Um, elders can teach the Bible and should look for opportunities to do so, whether it's in the form of a sermon, a small group class, a children's group, or any other ministry where they can share the word of God with others. Well, you know you're qualified to serve as an elder if number four, um, you lead your family well. You lead your family well. Um, Western society draws a clear line between what is public and private, what happens at work and what happens in the home. And we're actually told Whatever happens at home, you know, your relationship with your spouse and children really is no one else's business. But in the church, things are different. See, an elder's home life matters a lot. Uh, In fact, marriage and parenting give an accurate picture of the kind of leader, the kind of elder a man would be in the church. So in these two passages, Paul lists three ways a man's leadership in his family qualifies him for church leadership. Um, God's word says that an elder must be the husband of one wife. Now, some translations say a one-woman man, and while I understand there's a lot of disagreement about what this means, at the very least, I think we can all agree that this conveys the idea of a faithful husband who honors the sacred covenant of marriage as God has designed it. Um, How you love and care for your bride matters because as an elder, you're called to care for Christ's bride, the church. Um, God's word says that an elder must be an effective father. Uh, Management skill does matter for elders, but not necessarily in the way the world thinks about management. Um, Paul highlights effective management as something that's demonstrated with children in the home. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5, he says, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? You know, there's a lot of similarities between being a dad and being an elder. In both cases, a man takes on a leadership role. In both cases, he bears the primary responsibility to help those under his care. Now, both parenting and eldering are about guiding people toward maturity within a community context. And then the third thing, Paul's word says that an elder must be hospitable. Um, on two different occasions, Paul commanded the, that elders be hospitable. Um, we see that in 1 Timothy 3 2 and Titus 1 8. Hospitality can look like a lot of different things. It can be kindness, compassion, and how you care for others. But the kind of hospitality that Paul is talking about does something else. It allows others to see your family in action. It's opening your home so that others can have a front row seat to the gospel being lived out in the context of family. I believe that the Bible is very clear that an elder's home should be open to others. He's hospitable, both believers and non-believers alike. Well, you know you're qualified to serve as an elder if, number five, um, you are a man. You are a man. Now, this qualification should be obvious by now, but I think it does need to be said plainly. That God has called men and only men to be elders in the church. Now, because the word elder is used interchangeably with pastor and overseer, this truth is true for these titles as well. Now, if you wrestle with this, and it's completely common to do so, um, I want to ask that you consider a few observations uh, from these passages that highlight this truth. First, Paul said twice, in two different contexts, that an elder must be faithful to his wife or a one-woman man. Second, just before he gave his list of qualifications for elders, um, Paul said, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. And now given the context behind this entire section of scripture, Paul is applying these words to the role of an elder as well. Finally, Paul linked leading a church to leading a family. And just as God has called men to lead their families and to do so well, he also calls men to lead in the church family. Now, does this mean that women are never allowed to teach, shepherd, uh, or lead a ministry? Well, absolutely not. In fact, I would venture to say that many of you uh, can think of many godly women who God used to shepherd and shape your life. I know that I have. And in fact, we're going to talk more about women in ministry next week when we address the role of deacons in the church. So I want to encourage you, don't check out uh, just yet if this is something that you wrestle with. Well, you know that you're qualified to serve as an elder if, number six, um, you're an established believer. You're an established believer. Um, Paul cautioned the church about allowing new Christians to serve as elders. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 says, He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Uh, New Christians are a joy to be around. They're so fun to be around and and serve with because they have an enormous amount of excitement. Uh, They often take leaps in their faith and not just steps. And a lot of times they're fearless in serving in various ministries. In fact, I've had new believers just come to me and say, hey, how can I serve? I just want to serve. A lot of times they really don't care how. They just want to serve God. But we should be cautious about putting a new believer into the role of elder. It's important to have a few seasons of spiritual growth and testing before a man can serve in this role. Now, while the term does not necessarily refer to someone who is older in years, in fact, I would argue that we have examples in the early church that elders would have been younger men, um, this term does refer to spiritual wisdom and experience, that things a new Christian lacks. So so far, we've talked about what an elder is, and we've gone a little deeper with some of the specific qualifications of an elder. Um, In the bulletin this week, I'm gonna include a complete list of elder qualifications um, as well as the role or the job description of an elder. So for the end of our time together today, I'd like to highlight the job description of an elder, and then we're actually gonna close our time by praying for our elders here at OCC. Now, I don't have time to go in-depth I'm um, with the elder job description, but I've included scripture references again in this week's bulletin so that you can read about these things on your own time. So big question number three, what does an elder do? What is their role? What is the job description? Well, in addition to the qualifications of an elder, God's word also provides the job description or duties of elders. I would say that that list is as followed. Um, pray and study God's word, lead the church, shepherd and care for people in the church. Elders will give an account to God for the church. Um, Elders are called to live and lead by example. They should be able to teach God's word correctly and refute false teaching in the church. Um, Elders pray for the sick. They protect the church doctrinally. They confront unrepented uh, sin in the church. So if a Christian, if someone who's a part of the church has um, visible, public, unrepented sin, it's the elder's job to confront that person. And finally, they equip others for the work of ministry. I would say that's one of the main roles of an elder is to equip others for the work of the ministry. So the elders are God's plan for shepherding his church. They are Jesus's assistants for shepherding the flock. They're men who love the Lord and teach others to do the same. They're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they help the church keep her focus on Jesus, our perfect Savior. As I wrap up today's message, I'd like for us to pray for our elders. So wherever you might be listening in from today, if you'd bow your head at this time, let's pray for our elders. Father, today we want to pray for these men. We pray for wisdom, that you would give them what they need to fulfill their role. We pray for vision, that they would know where to lead your church. We pray for holiness, and their lives would be an example to everyone around them. We pray for knowledge, that they would continue to grow in the word and in the application of your word. We pray for unity, that they would help the church preserve the unity that you've given us. We pray for humility, that they would continue to set the tone for servant leadership, allowing others uh, to see that example lived out in their life, always looking to the needs of others first. We pray for our elders today. In Jesus' name, amen.